You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressingcrest.org. Well, we are glad that you're with us again today as we've been going through this series on Thanksgiving with many of the elders from the Preston Crest Church of Christ here in North Dallas. And we've been talking about many different things to be thankful for, thankful for our country, especially during an election year, uh, thankful for the church, thankful for our physical families within our physical homes. Today, I have asked uh, John Collier, another great elder here at Preston Crest, to come and talk with us about being thankful uh, for our careers. And I want to introduce John today and let you get to know him a little bit more. John, we are glad that you're with us today. It's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. I got to know John pretty well back in April uh, during the interview process of me coming to Preston Crest. And he has family out near Wichita Falls, where I used to live, and got to know his brother-in-law, Brad Yurko, very well. So I feel like I've known John's family uh, longer than other people I've known at Preston Crest. But John, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family job, and how long you've been here at this great church. Sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm a Dallas kid, uh, though I actually lived in three different states before I was three. Uh, I've been in Dallas since I was three. So uh, I grew up at the Walnut Hill Church of Christ here in Dallas. I went to ACU, and that's where I met my wonderful wife, Annette. And uh, after we graduated from ACU, we moved to the Dallas area and started attending Preston Crest at that point. So we've actually been here at Preston Crest since 1985. Um, Annette and I have three wonderful kids, all married to great spouses. Uh, and we also have three amazing grandkids, two of whom were actually born during these crazy COVID times. So uh, it's, it's been an interesting process, but uh, wonderful family, very proud of. Um, as far as my job, I work as a sourcing consultant. Uh, which basically means I help companies that want to outsource any of their IT activities. Uh, basically, I help them determine what type of support they may really need, what suppliers could best meet those needs. Uh, I help them prepare their support requirements and then help them through the overall supplier selection process, their pricing, and ultimately the negotiations of their agreements. So, And, and then I'm often asked to stick around and help transition to that new supplier and that that new uh, steady state environment. Okay. So did you say you lived in three states before you were the age of three? Three states before I was three. I was born in Odessa, Texas, and then my parents moved to Winnemucca, Nevada. How about that? Um, if you even know where that is, that's pretty amazing. Um, and then we moved to Wichita, Kansas, and then to Brownwood, Texas, and then very shortly thereafter to Dallas. All that in a three-year period. <laughs> so Odessa, Texas, Winnemucca, Nevada, Wichita, Kansas. Wichita, Kansas, Brownwood, Texas. Clearly some of America's 
prettiest, most desirable cities. You, you, absolutely. Winnemucca, especially. Okay. <laughs> and then you ended up at Dallas and you grew up at Walnut Hill. So I think I've asked you this before, but would you have been there during the uh, Hardeman Nichols days? Of I was Walnut absolutely. Hill? Hardeman Nichols and Harold Taylor. Okay. Two amazing, wonderful preachers. And in fact, Harold Taylor baptized me. Okay. All right. So yeah, Walnut Hill was a very, very special place uh, during those days uh, in Dallas. Still a Still a good church. Okay, so you are basically, as you said, a, a consultant, and in talking with you pre-COVID, you were on an airplane four days a week, is that correct? That is correct. Four different cities on four different days? No, same place. We, same place? Over, over the weeks, uh, going to a single client during each of those time periods. Okay, so you have racked up many a miles with American Airlines. What was that like traveling all of those days for all of those weeks and months and I guess years? You know, you just get used to the routine. And uh, actually, believe it or not, I found that I had more time with my kids in that kind of scenario than I did uh, when I was living, uh, working at home because I might have been gone for three and a half, four days a week. But when I was home, I was home home, no office to go to. Um, and so on Fridays when I was home, I could go up and take lunch to their school, which they thought was very awesome. They were just at the perfect age for that. They thought that was wonderful. And if we wanted to go see an afternoon movie or whatever we did, it was a lot of freedom to go do that. So it actually worked out a lot better than most people think it would. Absolutely. And I guess you didn't have rush hour in the air. That much. is absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's really interesting. So you told us a little bit about your career. How did you choose your career? Well, looking back, it it almost seems my career chose me, which in my mind means God chose it for me. You know, I think a lot of people, as they graduate from college, they're not sure what they want to do. Um, and, and life just kind of takes you down a path. And I, I feel very strongly that God took me down a path that absolutely worked wonderfully for me and has served me and my family very well. Um, everyone in my family was accountants. My dad was, my mom was, my older brother was, and eventually my younger brother too. But I didn't want to go that route, so I went the finance route, got my degree in finance, um, and, and I've actually only been hired three different times in my life, which I know is very unusual in this day and age. Mm -hmm. um, God has blessed me with incredible stability with jobs, and, and I could not be more blessed by that. Um, as, as I look back, each of these three hirings were clearly um, from the grace of God and Him watching over me. Ironically, my very first job right out of college um, was as a result of one of my now fellow elders, Todd Miller. Uh, he was chairman of a bank here locally in Dallas, and he put me in touch with the right guy. And that's actually how I got my first job right out of college. And I will ever be so thankful for Todd for, for that opportunity. Mm. Um, several years into that great experience I gained at that first role led me to a conversation with a friend at church one Sunday that when he learned of my experiences and what I'd been doing, said, well, hey, I've, I've got a friend that's looking for someone with exactly that, that background and that experience. You need to go talk to him. Uh, so I did, and lo and behold, that led to my second employer, uh, where I remained for about 10 years or so. Um, and, and then that increasing experience, that increasing exposure to broader activities, new things, led me to my third hiring. And that's where I am now, where I've been for the past 20 years. Uh, so as I look back at this career, um, there were times when I wondered where I was headed. Am I doing the right thing? Um, what, what should I be doing differently? Am I getting stagnant? You know, all those kinds of thoughts. But, but looking back now, I have absolutely no doubt um, that it was God who was directing me uh, 
and leading me through those various roles and experiences, one building up to the next. That's a neat story. So your whole family, they were accountants, which I can only imagine how exciting Thanksgiving must have been. <laughs> I can only I can only say that because my best friend is an accountant. You should so. see my mom's Christmas book where she keeps track of who's getting what gifts. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of emotion there. Um, but you chose to go a different path. And I liked your terminology that you didn't necessarily choose your career, but it chose you. And, and that being a God thing, how often do you think that happens for people. I'm just curious. You know, I, I don't know. And I, and I hope it happens all the time. Um, you know, most people get through their career and they seem to be satisfied with it. They like what they do. Um, they've had success with it. I, I would like to think that that's always a God thing and that he's always watching over each of us, leading us to what he knows is our path, our destiny, and where we can best uh, serve others in whatever capacity that may be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Uh, next question I had for you, you've, you've kind of answered a little bit, but we can expound on a little bit more. Uh, when have you seen God open doors and maybe even when have you seen God close doors in your career path? Regarding God opening doors, <clears throat> like I like I mentioned a minute ago, every step of my career, I have absolutely no doubt uh, that I was provided opportunities that were preparing me for that next step. Even today as a consultant, I look back at the different um, engagements I've had. Even at the micro level, I I can plainly see that each engagement was preparing me for the next one or or maybe the one that's two or three out. But I was was given the exposure to new things, the, the different activities, different experiences that I really believe, you know, when I was doing that engagement two, two years down the road, I could very openly see that that engagement had prepared me for that new one and the experiences I had gained. And I, and I have no doubt that that was a God thing. Um, you know, it's all, it's almost scary to me that to look back and realize that God has been that active in my career and preparing me for every step as I move forward. As far as closing doors, you know, I don't feel I've had too many disappointments or dead ends throughout my career. Uh, there have been times when I specifically did not pursue certain things, um, but those are typically my own decisions simply because I felt that it was not the right path that I should follow or I thought it might interfere um, with my family or even my church involvement. Uh, j- just a funny story, I-, I nearly turned down the opportunity to be an elder because I traveled weekly, as you mentioned, uh, and I-, I wasn't sure that I could properly serve the congregation if I was not available to them when they needed that that assistance or that help or that support. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did ultimately choose to accept the role. And then lo and behold, four months later, COVID hits. Mm-hmm. And, and voila, no more travel. Um, and, and now our company has changed our entire business model. What we once saw as no way we could provide these services without being hands-on, face-to-face, could not be done remotely from home. We've now completely changed our business model. We're making it work. Um, so I'm home, and, and hopefully I'm serving others in the best way I know how. And to me, that is a God thing. Absolutely. And I can't attest to what you're saying. You you are uh, very involved in the lives of the people. Uh, John is one of the elders that works with me with our Young Adults Ministry, and he and Randy Tucker both, who you heard from a couple weeks ago, are very plugged into. Uh, the young adults and are viewed as mentors for the young adults. So that totally is a God thing. And I'm glad that you did choose to become an elder and not let travel get in the way. And it sounds like travel may not 
be a problem for a long time for you. Um, what do you think is most uh, rewarding about your job? You know, there's a lot of things. I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the people I'm around. I enjoy the clients that I work with. But but I think most of all, what I find most rewarding, I, I just love to help others excel, help others achieve what they're trying to achieve. And so a couple ways, I guess. Number one, as a consultant, you know, I'm helping my clients find the successes that they're looking for in their commercial uh, contractual relationships. You know, I'm leading them through the process of finding the right provider, finding the right agreements, the right terms, uh, the right pricing, the right contract structure, and, and they love the results. And, and that gives me great satisfaction to know that what I'm spending you know, most of my time in my life doing, that it, it, it is met with very positive results that are greatly appreciated. And then as a people manager within my company, you know, I, I find great pleasure when I see people that I managed or that I might have mentored in some way find success in their careers. Um, I, I like it when I feel I've helped others, and I enjoy uh, sharing some of the things I've learned with others. Um, you know, a couple of the things I, I most love most love to share is, um, you know, in my humble opinion, being successful is really not that hard. Um, as the mom of a good friend of mine says, it's not that hard to be better than average. I mean, how true is that? It's not that hard to be better than average. It, it just takes a little extra effort. And, and, a, and, a, and a caring that, that you want to do the right thing for the right people at the right time. Um, you know, we've all heard the expression, treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO, um, to which I add, don't hesitate to help the CEO uh, or the janitor. Uh, don't hesitate to help the janitor. I, I just love to help people and help them see the successes that they've had. And, and I just feel like it doesn't get any more uh, Christ-like than that, with that kind of attitude. So, so that's what's rewarding to me, seeing others succeed because of some small role that I may have played in some way or may have some influence I may have had in them. Well, that's certainly the right attitude to have because everything you just said there does center around other people and the lives of people and not necessarily a business system, but the people who operate within that system. So uh, that, that speaks to your character as an individual for sure. Um, you know, th there's always the discussion about how can you be more effective for the kingdom? Are, are you more effective in ministry, working for a church and preaching and teaching every week? Or are you more effective in the business world and allowing your faith to be seen more around those who um, may not be believers or certainly not as tied into a, a religious or spiritual family like you are on Sundays? So, in what ways have you found that you can really serve God in the business or consulting world? You know, working with people in all kind of business roles, there, there's so many people that can do the job. Um, there's so many people that can fill the role, do it well. But what I like, you know, I, I love it when people notice that I live a little bit different lifestyle than they do. Um, you know, being on the road as much as I have been historically for the past 20 years, you know, I am spending entire days with with other team members and clients, and especially with my own team members. You know, we 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 breakfast together, we work together, we lunch together, we we have dinner together. Sometimes, you know, go to the gym and work out together in the evenings. Um, it, it's an all day relationship, day after day, and and when they can see how someone can be successful 
in a business role, but without having to steamroll people to be that way, without having to be rude to others, um, without foul language, without compromising my principles, people actually notice that. And they notice that my life is a little different. Uh, they inquire about why, and I get to share with them why. And, and sometimes those evening conversations are, are very interesting and, and very enlightening to them. Some of them may have never been exposed to someone that even goes to church. And, and I love that. I love to share that story. I love to share with them um, that there is a greater purpose in this life, and there is someone that loves them and, and has a plan for them. Um, and I know in some cases it has actually made a difference, and I, I love to know that. So if you don't mind me asking, how do people, like what specific ways do people notice a difference in a John Collier and then those that you work with? Well, probably first and foremost, especially as much as I've worked in the Northeast, is just simply language. <laughs> Where certain words in the Northeast are just simply adjectives, and, and they don't think a thing about it. Um, you know, but but they notice. You know, why aren't you speaking a certain way? Why aren't you being rude like us? Why aren't you, you know, rolling over people to get what you need? Why do you reach compromises with people? You know, it, it, it's just a different mindset that they're not used to, and. And, and it's very interesting for them, their responses when they get to know me a little bit and they say, wow, you're, you don't have to act rude and mean and overbearing to be successful. Um, you know, and, I, and I love it when they notice that and, and hopefully they take note of it enough to make some changes in their own lives and, and maybe the business world becomes a better place. You know, I'm not trying to overplay this by any means, but you know, it's kind of the one, one person at a time, one domino at a time. and, and I can only impact the people I'm working with at any given point in time. And uh, hopefully in some small way, I have impacted them in a, in a way that's lasting within their lives. Absolutely. You know, Jesus talks about that during his Sermon on the Mount. And Paul, especially in the book of, of Ephesians, mentions uh, one of the quickest ways people know that we are different is simply by the, the words that we use and the way that we talk and the conversations we have. So uh, that's encouraging, especially as you pointed out. Uh, especially in the Northeast. Um, so you deal in the financial world, got your degree in finance, and you're obviously a man of faith. And finding balance between faith and finance is always a challenge. Jesus knew that. Jesus told us we cannot love both God and money. So um, how do you find that balance between faith and finances? Well, in my mind, that that's, that's easy. And it's simply knowing that everything I have is, is not even mine to begin with. Um, there are so many verses in the Bible, as you've just referenced, about God owning all that's in the world, uh, about discipleship with money, stewardship with money, um, about serving others with money, being selfless. Um, one that I love, actually, is, is 1 Timothy 6, um, down around verse 17, where it says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. And to me, that, that verse just sums it up uh, so, so perfectly. Thankfully, my, my parents taught me to save from a very early age, to save money and to, to be conservative with what I had and to be thankful for what I had. And, and I tried to pay that forward and convey that same principle to my kids. And in fact, a uh, quick little side story here. I, I set up bank accounts for my kids when they were very young. 
And I told them that for every birthday check or Christmas check or whatever money they might have received from an uncle or aunt or grandparent or whatever, any money they deposited, I would match it. (laughs) And they not only quickly learned the magic of matching 401ks um, (laughs) and compounding interest, but as they matured, they also learned that same comfort that always having something set aside for yourself if an emergency came up. But then even beyond that, again, thanks to my parents, um, I also learned uh, to give back my money to God at a young age and recognize that it wasn't mine. Back in the day at the old Walnut Hill Church of Christ, they had these little weekly envelopes and uh, you would put your money in that little envelope and that's what you would drop in the tray. I guess confidentiality was a little more important back then. You put your check in there, your cash in there. Well, I would put my little dime in there every week and then it grew to a quarter and then, you know, whatever it grew to. But my, my parents just taught me that that's what you do. You're, you're, all of our blessings come from God. So why don't we, you know, sh- repay him and thank him um, for what we have? Um, I have to admit, there have been plenty of times in my life as I sat down to write that weekly check that I thought, you know, you know what, let's just skip this week. You know, I've got other bills to pay. This is going to make it easier. I won't have to worry about, you know, missing some other payment. I'll make it up uh, sometime in the future, sure. But, you know, it, it seems when I fought through that feeling and, and gave anyway, wrote that check anyway, that, that that's when God blessed me even further. And, and I don't mean that, you know, $500 suddenly appeared in my bank account that day, but I, I just, you know, looking back, I feel that over time when I was going through those those struggles of how do I treat this money that, you know, maybe weeks, maybe months later, that that's, it was clear to me that God continued to bless me over the long term. Um, and those times that I would stretch and support a charity or, or some other need that I saw, again, that's when I would recognize that God was continuing to bless me and that I needed to, to continue to bless others. Um you know, it's, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous how much God has blessed me with beyond what I deserve. None of us deserve what we have, I don't think. Um, and I have no greater way to thank him and to repay him than to help and serve others in the same way. That's a beautiful testimony. I love that story about your kids of matching, <laughs> matching what other relatives have given them and given them their own little 401k. So I've got to know, did you uh, decide you were going to tax them at age 59 and a half if they didn't withdraw <laughs> from that account before that? You know, there was no taxation, but I have to admit when my oldest got his first job, he's like, dad, are you still matching? <laughs> I had to inform him that that stopped at that yeah, first job. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, that's a great answer. And what a way to teach your children, too, of the importance of putting back money. Um, so I think a lot of people, this next question we're going to talk about, I think a lot of people – Look at at the church as, um, you know, people who don't understand business, who don't understand the problems of this world. And in one way, that's good because Scripture does tell us we are to be so different, so countercultural. But at the same time, we still live in this world and we have to be effective in this world. So how can, specifically in your context of corporate America, how, how can the church be influential in that space. I'll go back to what I mentioned above. Um, you know, we, we just need to be strong examples in showing that there are ethics um, and that there are morals. There are principles that can and should be followed. And, and we can do that without sacrificing our careers or our friendships. And I, and I think that's an important message to convey 
um, to people of all ages, especially people come riding out, coming right out of college, they, they, they look at who's been successful on the news. And, and those are not necessarily the examples that they need to be following. It, it's the rude people. It's the pushy people. It's the, the people that have sacrificed their principles and morals to get where they are. And I think we need more good Christian examples of, of being that successful without sacrificing our principles and our morals. And there are so many men that have been at Preston Crest and are still at Preston Crest that set that example for me. Um, and I hope that I can continue to be that example to other younger people, um, whoever they may be. Um, you know, l look at how some of the companies in today's business world are still setting this influence. They're actually making a difference in the way the world operates. Um, look at Chick-fil-A. You know, Chick-fil-A, they have not sacrificed any of their original principles by being closed on Sundays or hiring individuals that they feel will live by their moral code. They have stood up to that, they've defended that, and they still do that to this day. And they are by far one of the most successful uh, fast food chains in all of America because they know what they're doing, they do it well, and they stand up for what they believe. Look at Hobby Lobby. They still play Christian music over their uh, speaker systems and they defend it and are proud of that. Um, I think there was a small local bakery here recently that refused to make a wedding cake for a couple that was not living or getting married under God's structure for marriage. And they took a lot of flack for that. It made national news, but they stood up to that. And, and they said, this is our principle. This is our company. We will not sacrifice our own principles and beliefs simply to make a buck. And you have to appreciate those guys, um, have re tremendous respect for those kinds of companies and those kinds of individuals, that that is how they live their lives always standing up <clears throat> for what they believe. And there's plenty of others that never get mentioned publicly. Um, some of you probably have other examples, but they, they just simply do what's right. And people notice that. And, and, and most importantly, God notices that. And, and ultimately, that's what's most important anyway. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the companies and the idea of not compromising, uh, because just a few questions back when I talked about what do you do differently, uh, you mentioned that People said that's that's interesting that you actually will compromise. And so that's an interesting dichotomy there that one aspect of Christianity is being able to find ways that we can work together. But the other side of Christianity is when you don't move an inch and you won't compromise on key teachings of God or key principles of Christianity. And uh, I love your answer there that... Um, if we want to have influence in corporate America or just America in general, we have to be consistent and stand strong, not only for what we believe, but what God has clearly said in his word. So I, uh, I really appreciate your, your answer. Well, and there's no better example of that than, than, than Jesus. I mean, who, who did he hang around? He, he was not hanging around the popular people, the wealthy people, the, the, the people that were of note within, within their current society. He was hanging around the people that needed him. Um, the, the sinners, the people struggling with life, people struggling with marriages, people struggling with how they lived. And, and, and we cannot influence others, like you just said, Jacob, if we're not around them, if we're not trying to influence them in some way. Um, and, and that's why of all the apostles, I love the apostle Andrew the most. Um, it, as you know, there's not a lot of mentions of him, but when it does mention him, whether it's the feeding of the 5,000 or other other uh, incidents he was involved in. He, he, he was having an influence on people 
not because he was standing up front wanting to be, you know, sit in the right hand throne of God. He was there among the people, circulating with the people, um, being, you know, having those one-on-one relationships with people. And, and I, I think that's really the only way we can have an influence on our coworkers, on our neighbors, on anyone around us, um, is, is to be with them, not to accept what they may be doing that's wrong, but have the positive influence to maybe change the way they're living. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So last question, because you've had a lot of experiences, clearly, um, as you've talked about. It's kind of twofold. First of all, if you could do everything all over again, um, and you were coming out of ACU, being the expert that all college graduates are. Of course. uh, If you could do things all over again, what would you change? And then the second part of that is, what would you do the exact same? I I probably would not change too much. Um, I, I don't, I don't. You know, I don't think it's healthy to to live life with regrets. Um, I'm I, you know, tomorrow they it all may fall apart for me, and that'd be okay. I would just pick up the pieces and go from there. But to this point, I, I just I, I can't help but think that I've had a fabulous ride. Um, as I as I mentioned previously, God's fingerprints are all over it. There's times I'm not even sure how I got through them, and and I got through so wonderfully. It had to be the grace of God because there's no way I could have done that on my own. Um, you know, how could I not want that same ride all over again? I, I am truly blessed and and hope that I will never lose sight of that fact. Um, in recognizing these blessings, you know, another story in the Bible that's so important to me is, uh, is remembering the blessings. And it's in the context of Luke 17 uh, when Jesus healed those 10 lepers and only one came back to thank him. And you look at that, there was 10 guys, all had leprosy. And, and leprosy in that, at that point in, in history, it was pretty much a, a death notice. I mean, you, you were not going to be associating with any people anymore. Um, you would struggle to live, struggle to eat, um, and, and you would, your life was clearly dramatically altered by, by, by having that leprosy diagnosis. All 10 of them had that. All 10 of them were healed which means their future was dramatically altered. God's fingerprints, again, were just were on them, just like he has been on my, on my, my path of life. But only one came back. And I, I, I love the fact that that one came back. And I, I never want to lose sight of that. I never want to be that guy that forgets to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And doing this all over again, yeah, I would do it all over again. I would hope it'd be as successful and as rewarding um, as it has been for me, and I don't mean just financially, I mean the friends and, and the many blessings that I have. And I, I always want to be that one that says thank you. Well, John, I appreciate your answers. And for those listening today, you got to hear the heart of John Collier. And uh, John was the first phone call I received from Preston Crest and one of the big reasons why I'm here. So uh, John is a great shepherd of this church and very, very involved in our young adult ministry and If you're a young adult listening to this, you need to come on over and meet John and meet Randy and also Dr. Pruitt, who's with us from time to time. Uh, These three gentlemen really want what's best for young adults, and they are great mentors to have in life. I want to close today by the way we, or with the way we close every time, by reminding you that along this journey of life, there will be road work along the way. But here at Road Talk, we want to help you get ready. And also, always remember, keep your eyes on heaven. Hope you have a great week and we will talk to you again next time. Amen.